conversation with my friend Jessica. Jessica is a leader in the anti-trafficking movement here in Minnesota, and she's also a former police officer, so her experiences and knowledge are widespread and so necessary when we talk about this issue of trafficking and exploitation. Jessica talks a lot about what we as parents and influencers of children can do and should know when it comes to trafficking. And we even talk about how we can talk with our kids about these issues of trafficking and exploitation. Also, we chat about what the internet and COVID has done to trafficking and exploitation and what to watch out for as we're engaging with the children in our lives. This is a really encouraging and educational episode of the podcast. And I know that when you listen all the way to the end, you will be inspired to take your awareness and turn it into action. Okay, so we'll just go ahead. Jessica, thanks so much for having this conversation with me today. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do now? Sure. So I'm Jessica Bartholomew and the founder and executive director of Act United. And that's a not-for-profit organization in Minnesota. And we're based out of Carver County, which was intentional because although a lot of my uh, work was in the inner city, um, the awareness of the reality of juvenile sex trafficking and other forms of exploitation in our state um, was really missing out in our suburban and rural communities. Um, so we strategically positioned ourselves to begin our work out in Carver County. And Act United is how we're known, and that's our name, and I love it because that's an action verb to act united, but ACT is also an acronym for anti-child trafficking. Yeah, so talk about what Act United does. Um, well, our mission is to uh, unite communities together in awareness, prayer, and prevention to end the sexual exploitation and trafficking of children and teens. So obviously we pick our words carefully. We all do that because it points to our focus, right? So our focus is prevention. Um, our focus is children and teens. Trafficking and exploitation happen um, to all ages of individuals, but we focus on children and teens. And when you look at the ways people can respond or help or do something or get engaged in the fight against trafficking and exploitation, I look at it as a spectrum of response, which would be prevention, intervention, and then your restoration or response after harm, after the crime. Um, and I, I needed to land in prevention. Um, my previous work, I was on the response end of the spectrum. And if I was gonna come back, I was gonna get involved in this new way in the nonprofit world. It wasn't gonna be to wait around for bad things to happen. It was gonna be to fight 
my little gills upstream and, and get ahead of it. Like, how can you know what you know and not take that information um, up the path, up the stream and uh, do something about it so it doesn't have to happen? So what we do for awareness, prayer and prevention is um, on the awareness and prevention end, we do an annual community awareness to action conference in February. January is human trafficking awareness and prevention month. That's what we're here and focused on today. And so we've kind of decided to self-declare February by Act United Proclamation. Is that possible? Is that a thing? Yes. Yes, we can do that. Okay. So we proclaimed. (laughs) So with January, bringing awareness about the issue, right? We proclaimed February time to take action month. So let's get aware and then let's take action. So actually our seventh annual conference is coming up this February and with different social restrictions and everything going on in the world today, we've made it virtual and we've made it all a cart. So all our sessions and our expert speakers are broken up into individual one-hour classes throughout the week. So you wouldn't even have to um, you know, sit there for a half day or whatever. So that's our way of bringing awareness along with what are the steps and the tools and the resources that you can have within um, whether you're a parent and a grandparent or you're a professional, what's the awareness and then what are your tools to help your community or your family? Um, And so that's kind of our quick. Yeah, I need to give a shout out for your conferences because your content is always cutting edge and you are really intentional about bringing dynamic speakers and you yourself are so uh, educated and I can't recommend enough going and signing up for that conference. And I love how you pivoted this year with everything that's going on and allowed for people to pick and choose. And it's just really amazing content. And then also on your YouTube channel, you have the previous year, right? Many of them, the content YouTube channel. Yeah, if um, on our YouTube channel, which is Act United in Minnesota, you can find previous conference sessions on topics of, you know, sex torsion, sex trafficking, juvenile trafficking, successful prevention education for kids, um, different things there. And this year, um, going virtual and doing individual classes in a virtual world is definitely the way to go. But the, the other thing kind of feeding into breaking up our sessions like that is to really give people an opportunity to process and think about what did I just learn instead of hopping right into that next speaker, that next topic, because we're really bringing some deeper issues. We're calling this year's behind the veil because we're going to we're going to take a look and go a step further, a step deeper. This is going to be beyond your human trafficking 101. Um, we're getting into how COVID civil unrest, political climate, how with the focus uh, nationally and at the community level and the global level shifted onto those issues that created a hole in an inroad for predators in the area of sexual exploitation and trafficking of our kids. 
And so we're going to take a deeper look behind the veil of what's presented to us and what our eyes are focused on. We're going to take a peek behind that and we're going to say, well, what's the world of exploitation doing while we're still looking there? And so that'll be our first session. Our second one is going to be um, we're going to hear from a Minnesota state representative from the House on comprehensive sex education. There's that's a highly controversial topic right now. We're going to dive into that. And then the third is we're going to take a look at systems of sexual abuse and trafficking in faith communities. It's uh, uh, we have an expert survivor speaker who's going to talk about how to pedophiles and cult leaders groom not only individuals, but whole congregations into systems of sexual exploitation, a whole congregation of faith-having, Bible-reading, uh, intelligent, well-connected people. How does that corporate level of grooming happen? What are the signs? What can you do? So um, we're, we're going pretty deep. So we'll take prayer too. Yeah, it's so good. We'll take I prayers. <laughs> everything you just said is so necessary. And I, what I love about you is that you aren't scared to say the things that need to be said and people need to be having this conversation, these conversations, and they need to hear this content. And I'm, I'm excited for the content you're putting out there. And where do people sign up? Do they just go to your website? Go to our website, actunited.org, and then go to our events page. And all three classes are listed with the speakers. You can sign up for one or all three. It's totally a la carte. So um, it's all available there. So good. So good. Yeah. I want you to tell people how you got to where you are today. Tell us your backstory of why you're doing um, this anti-trafficking, specifically prevention of child trafficking work. I think it's important for people to hear people's stories so they can start to see how their story might, you know, be prepared to be used in fighting for justice or fighting in, against exploitation or whatever it is on their heart. So can you tell us, take yeah. us to the beginning? Yeah. Oh, back to the beginning. How far back do you want to go? <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, the thing with our story too. And I don't know why this is on my heart today, or maybe I do know why, I don't know. But I feel like people can really get stuck in, um, in um, thinking their story has more to be written before they can do something. Hmm. And when we hear testimonies, when we hear stories from the founder of something, or, you know, somebody that we look to now, and their story always seems so like cute and perfect and chronological, you know, this happened to me here. And then God said this, and that moved me into here. And then this day, like there was this brilliant day where all of a sudden everything that had ever happened was done and finished and over. And now we became, it's not true. Something. It's not true. <laughs> I am in process. The pen of God is on the paper and I'm turning pages every day. Mm -hmm. I am in process. I am, I am leading and following at the same time. I'm the teacher and the student at the same time. I am listening to your trauma story with compassion because I'm in the middle of my 
trauma story and it is process and there's no magic moment that says you're complete the dinger on the oven went off and now you're ready to do something um so good so yeah story is such an unfolding i could almost tear up right now such an unfolding process and I'm still like flipping a page right now with the pen and the ink not even dry in the work I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But the pages leading up to today, um, one of the most significant chapters, um, well, there's probably two significant chapters, but one is uh, my work as a police officer. So being in law enforcement for 12 years, six years undercover, undercover in narcotics, um, drug buys and all that kind of stuff, um, and doing some undercover work with, you know, overseas, you'd call it a brothel, here you'd call it a massage business, or, you know, a strip club, or some sort of business name, business front. Um, and the overlap into juvenile sex trafficking in the state of Minnesota. And I'm in the middle of it. And I, growing up in Minneapolis, my childhood, you know, everything leading up to there, my, my work in youth ministry, youth advocacy, street outreach, all of it. And now I'm this law enforcement officer and I'm coming in contact with, juveniles, um, children that are being sold, that are being sexually exploited, sold for rent money, sold for drug money, um, teenagers that are um, caught up in what they believed to have been a relationship that turned on them in a violent way and now find themselves in an ordeal very difficult uh, to get out of as strong as you are and as smart as you are has nothing to do with it. Sometimes it's how smart you are why you don't get out because you know the consequences of every action you make. You are tactically amazing and intelligent. Um, All of that leading up to now this police work and these investigations and My biggest case, the two cases that'll always stand out to me, one is a 12-year-old girl who um, was being trafficked by her 24-year-old stepbrother. So we had the family dynamics, you know, you had a, a young girl who, uh, parents were divorced, dad was not involved, um, some although many single family homes are, and I was a single parent for 12 years, are fantastic and secure, this home was not. And introduced in, now comes this 24 year old stepbrother who happened to be a trafficker and built relationship um, and then started trafficking her on the weekends and after school. So this, I, this dynamic of family trafficking, um, the, the understanding, I already knew this, but this is leading to, you know, why I do what I do. Um, she still went to school. She went to a large 
amazing, highly recommended public school. And she was there in class. Well, she was trafficked. And she's being trafficked on the weekends, on school off days, on holidays, Christmas break. She's showing up to school and she doesn't have the best focus. Her academics are slipping. She is that child that gives you trouble that you know is going to exhaust you by the end of the day. She's that student. And yet nobody has a clue that underneath the the, the behavior, those are, yeah, Yeah. those are the red flags we want to look for, for underlying trauma. But then not only that, when we see red flags of underlying trauma, do we even feel equipped to handle it, right? You're a teacher, you've got 29 other students in that hour, and you got six more hours left to go in the day. So are you even well resourced? Do you know who your allies are, who your advocates are? Like so many pieces in a puzzle missing. Um, And then my second um, one that stands out to me was a very large one, and it was a trafficking ring that went across three different counties, Dakota, Hennepin, and Carver County in Minnesota. Uh, Teenagers from our rural county, as well as our inner city, um, being trafficked right across the Twin Cities uh, metro. And um, one of the teens that was being trafficked was from a rural county, as a matter of fact, um, in, in, a, in a two-parent home, in an affluent neighborhood, in a neighborhood that was actually voted the healthiest county in Minnesota two years in a row, the best place to live in the nation two years in a row. Wow. And yet this girl is involved in a trafficking situation And everybody in that area thought this happens overseas. The gaps are glaring. It was like every community needs to know. They need to understand how. This is less than 10% of juvenile sex trafficking starts with a kidnapping. It starts with relationships and grooming. It also happens within the family. These kids aren't gone waiting for Liam Neeson, they're in your school, they're in your church, they're in your cafes, they're in your coffee shops, they're, they're at Denny's at midnight, Perkins, um, they are still here. So awareness in how to e- not just bring awareness, bring truth. Like I'm always saying accurate information leads to effective solutions. We don't have effective solutions if we don't have accurate information. Mm-hmm. Like we're training our kids to for stranger danger. Meanwhile, it's their coach, their teacher, their stepbrother, the same person who eats turkey with them on Thanksgiving. That's not a stranger. The person they even meet online If I said, don't talk to strangers online, you'd say, well, this is not a stranger. We've been talking for three months. This is my friend. Meeting online does not equal stranger to a child or even a teenager, even adults, right? So awareness is going to give us our effective solution. So coming back into the game was, uh, my story was, um, there's glaring gaps and we need to fill those gaps. We need to reduce vulnerabilities, fill those gaps in education and resource and give tools to 
to all our systems in the community. We need to increase how they communicate and how they work together. So, um, I mean, and yeah. I'm known for being passionate. So now I'm starting to yell. I like, oh, so. I will let you go all the <laughs> Passion is welcome here, my friend. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> when I first heard about you, our mutual friend, Susie Weigel, she kept saying, yes. you have to meet my friend, Jessica. You have to meet my friend, Jessica. And I remember meeting you at the Shared Hope um, conference that was in Minneapolis. And I remember yes. okay. thinking to myself, this woman knows how to talk to kids about sex trafficking. And I have four kids. <laughs> I need to know what she knows. And I remember you telling me that you talk to, you know, little elementary and middle school and high school. And it's all founded in that passion that you just shared with us that we do not have accurate information about what trafficking looks like. And our children are prey. They're, they're falling victims to people who are looking to exploit, whether it's online or in person, because adults don't have the information. And I think because we're not having the conversation and that's what you do, you go and you have conversations and you talk to kids and you talk to educators and parents. So can you talk a little bit about how you do that? How you like give it, can you give an example of maybe what it looks like to talk to a younger child versus an older child? And then what, what you do when you go into schools? Yeah. So our mission was awareness, prayer and prevention. So we talked about awareness and then prayer. We, we as a team are always in prayer and there's ways to get connected with our newsletter for prayer. And there's other uh, ministries and organizations you can get involved in too that are doing prayer. Well, our prevention piece is by going upstream is to get with kids, to talk with kids to educate them and empower them, right? And to give them accurate information. So we have a program called Youth Aware, which is in middle schools and high schools and college campuses. Uh, so it's for that age group. It's a teen sexual exploitation prevention program. Um, we have an online safety class, which is for like our elementary students. Um, sometimes middle school as well, where we talk about online safety and relationships and um, those red flags we should look for when we have a friend that we're gaming with online, or should we, what kind of friends should we be gaming with online? So we do online safety uh, for any age, but normally it's that age group. Um, and then we've also done little preschool presentations, and we did our very first video, which was so fun. Um, actually to do it was so silly and on a whim because we had parents of preschoolers saying, how do, what's appropriate to even say, because, you know, we're handing over these little tablets to yeah. them. And so if we're going to hand over a device that gives access to the whole wide world to our kids, right. You would send your training and education with that. Absolutely. So the answer is it's never too early to talk. It's just what are we talking about and how do we talk about it? And the first thing I would say is as a parent, um, you know your kids, you know, however you talk to your, you are the best advocate and the best talker for your kids. Um, so knowing their maturity level, knowing their age, knowing um, what they've been exposed to or not been exposed to yet. Um, you know best how to have a conversation. 
um, with your kids. We have, there's resources out there to help start these conversations at the littles age. Um, we have a couple of things on our YouTube and we have a preschool page on our website. So you can check out that video and some information on how to start conversations. Um, but netsmarts.org uh, is another place, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They have animated videos, which are really good conversation starters too. Um, but I'll tell you, the conversations with all ages, if we want our kids to sit, stay safe from exploitation, we have to talk about relationships. We have to talk about healthy relationships. If you don't know what a healthy relationship is, it's no different from an unhealthy relationship. If you don't know that things like listening, um, respect, not trying to convince you or pressure you to do things you've already said no to, or that they already know you don't want to do. Um, things like trust, uh, positive words. Is this the kind of person that calls you names? Or is this the kind of person that says positive things about you, encourages you if you're if you didn't do well on a test or with riding your bike or, you know, um, your application for college, you know, what kind of words does this person use in the relationship? And really giving a basis for what healthy looks like. That's a, that's a awesome conversation to have. So preventing sex trafficking, you don't sit down and say, you're going to be sex trafficked. If you don't carry keys in your hand and mace in your purse, right? Like, yeah, I'd be intimidated by that conversation too. And I don't think anybody would listen. They'd say, what movie did you watch last night, mom? Or you watch too much Dateline NBC. I'm just telling you, just saying. So, yeah, you know, but when, when we, we open up on the positive side of things on um, healthy relationships so that anything that goes outside of that can then become a red flag for them, something they need to pay attention to. Yeah. Also open communication, honesty, and continued conversation. Not just, here's your phone, and just so you know, I love you, and if anything bad ever happens, let me know because I'll listen. We want to say that, but we want to keep it going. We want to keep it opening up, you know? Hey, I saw, I was at this conference, and I learned about um, gaming and how predators will ask you to switch to other forms of communication that are more private off of the game. Like, has anybody ever asked you to go to email or text message? And just kind of keeping open conversation so that it's not scary, it's not taboo, it's, it doesn't feel weird bringing it up, but it's a constant conversation. And really couching it in protection. You know, I'm not going to start looking through your phone because I don't believe you have the right to privacy. You absolutely have the right to privacy. You know, is there anything private in your phone um, that you don't want me to see? Well, yeah, I've been texting with my best friend and she's not doing well and you don't need to see what she says to me about her parents or whatever. Okay, let me stay out of that conversation because I know the person in real life, right? This person's been to our house. So now I feel pretty comfortable making some individual decision perhaps about that person, right? But 
in general, this is about protection. I have no desire to rob a teenager's right to some privacy in their life. Um, but looking in your phone, knowing your passwords is about your protection. So anytime we're going to give a device, it's a family contract. It's not a rules. It's not, I am now decreeing, thus saith the ruleth, <laughs> right? It's a family contract. Like this device gives everybody in the world access to you. And I love you. And who the heck, you know, is going to try to contact you. So, and it isn't about trust or no trust of your kid. It's that unless you would, you know, set them out on the middle of a street corner in an unfamiliar neighborhood and let anybody you want talk to them there, you certainly wouldn't want to let anybody talk to them on their phone. So um, protect privacy while protection and how as a family can we come to a contract on how to handle our devices yeah. safely. I think what you're saying is so important because what we do with the issue of human trafficking and exploitation is we make it too big for us. We get so overwhelmed. Yes. How do I talk to my kid about sex? I don't want to talk about sex. I don't want to talk about rape. I don't want to all that. Like all of a sudden we go down this gigantic rabbit hole and we're lost in the darkness that we don't say anything. And really the conversation isn't that hard. It's like normal. It, you're giving your kids tools to recognize yes. unhealthy relationships, yes. you're giving mm -hmm. them tools to recognize when something's fishy on the internet, yep. when they're gaming, you're giving them tools to recognize that there are some things that can be private between your friends, but then there's some things that are inappropriate and you shouldn't be sharing right. on the phone. And you know, how maybe I don't need to read your text message between your friend, but do you have something else on there that you don't want me to see? And, and that's not okay. Right. And um, though that really is what we need to be doing. Those are the conversations we need to be having with our kids. If we're talking about keeping them safe and protecting them. And I really hope people hear that. Cause I think that's so, so vital. And I, yeah. being a mother myself, I've been in the middle of this Snapchat, TikTok conversation with my four year, 14 yeah. year old and yeah. um, been thinking about you a lot and trying to like channel my inner Jessica with if it sends you anything and it's, so I'm not going to try and be you because you're here. Can you talk about everything that's happening online, the dangers of, you know, group messaging um, from a police perspective and your professional perspective and what you tell teenagers about the trouble they can get into even accidentally on the internet, oh, especially yeah. since we're online now more than ever before with, with the pandemic and everything. Yeah. The biggest message to kids is that we love them. We love them. Like we legit care about their health, that you're spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically healthy. And this is about care and concern for them and making sure like, because that is our, and I know you and me and, you know, many parents, like that's the bottom line. That's what we're trying to do. So why keep it secret and jump to jump to the end of the story? Like, let's let them know what this is all about and that we're caring for them. And that's why we have these conversations. Um, you know, a big part of our message, uh, especially with the Youth Aware program, with those uh, older students is their personal value 
and their future. Um, we all struggle throughout life. Like this don't end. It's just more so in those teen stages, um, but it comes back all the time, you know, our value and do we settle? Um, what is it we settle for? Do we value, what's the value we place on ourselves and the relationships we will allow in our life? And that's really where the strength comes from, because you can tell a kid, here's the red flags. If you see them, don't engage or don't be their friend. Don't meet them in person. Here's Here's the red flag and here's what not to do. But the question is, um, what, what empowers them or gives them the confidence to not do it? A lot of times they know what not to do. Mm -hmm. What makes them actually not do it? Mm -hmm. um, instead of saying, I know I shouldn't, I know I'm not supposed to, but, but, right? And it's really a sense of, their value and confidence in themselves. They're, they're worth it. You know, they're worth it. They're, you're worth waiting for, you're worth not sending that photo, you're worth not engaging in things that seem to cross your boundary. Um, and you have a future worth protecting and anything you do digitally right now is in cyberspace forever. And five years from now, 10 years from now, you don't want to, you know, finally figure out some new avenue you want to take in life. And the first thing that employer or that organization is going to do is the background check. And you don't want something, you know, popping up. So building confidence is important. Um, and always instilling the, the fact that um, there's, you need to protect your future too. So the, the, a lot of times kids think we want to have this conversation because we believe they're going to do something bad. So speaking to your point, the reality is there's bad people that want to do bad things and you're awesome. Mm -hmm. And I want you to be aware mm -hmm. and I don't want you to fall prey to that. Right. What we are seeing just, um, it's absolutely uncontrollable. It is absolutely off the charts right now, especially now that we're e-learning, we're online. Kids not only are online for regular gaming and regular stuff, their whole social life, they're feeling connected. Everything is now tied to this device. So the, the, the average kid that just wants a social life, that just wants to communicate, just wants to research, just wants to, you know, game, right? Can find themselves in a situation. And here's the number one thing we see is we all have needs. We all have desire to connect and, and predators love to connect. And somebody connects with you online and they have a profile photo, they have a picture up there, they have a way of speaking, and maybe they're being honest about who they are. Maybe they're 29 and they say they're 29 because they believe you're not going to care that you have this older person relationship and you might even finding it, find it a little interesting or thrilling, right? So, or they're lying and you get all these false, um, you know, this was, you know, a big in law enforcement, um, a lot of these cases that end up with child victims or teen victims of online child pornography had no idea 
they were being put in pornography. What they thought was that they were in an online relationship with somebody around their age with similar interests. Uh, we both love volleyball or we both play soccer or we both are in high school and our favorite subject is theater and we have this relationship and it's a month down the road and it's getting a little more open and then another month down the road it's pretty vulnerable and pretty intimate and um the, the introduction to photos, and that leads to explicit photos, and good kids with good intentions that think they're in a great relationship send that very first photo, topless, nude, or engage in, you know, sexing or um, cybersexual uh, video stuff. And as soon as that other person gets that very first photo or that very first video, they now have control. Mm. And good kids are suddenly thrust into a situation of control, exploitation, and blackmail. If you don't send me more, or if you tell, I am going to put this video into pornography sites, or I am going to show this photo on all the internet, I'm going to blast your family, your grandma's going to see it, your whole school is going to see it. Mm. And as soon as you release that first thing, and unfortunately, uh, we're in an age where the message, the cultural message is it's no big deal. But good kids, um, just regular kids and teens yeah. that it's, end up in this deal. And the perpetrators are exploiting that, that idea that it's no big deal. And this is what you do if you're in a relationship and it's normal and, you know, everybody does it. Yeah. It's totally being exploited to the point where these kids are getting trapped in online relationships that are extremely unhealthy. Um, Yeah. That's what I, my Amy, she she says, don't you trust me? <laughs> right? Like that's the famous, right? Like, yeah, yeah, of course I trust you. I don't trust anybody else. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't trust anybody else. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the innocent thinking doesn't think that nefarious. Right. And it actually, the, the awesome person that you are actually um, makes you maybe a little less aware. That's why we're having this conversation because you wouldn't do that to somebody else, but unfortunately other people do that to, um, to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you introduce these ideas to teenagers, what is their response? Are they, do the lights like go off in their head? Like, Oh yeah, this does happen. Or do they fight back against it or both? Um, there's both, there's mostly acceptance of it because the reason why I think that is, is because, um, it's put in a new context and in a new light, um, because we have no desire for kids to get offline or lose their phone or stay off this and don't do that and, and focus on the don'ts and on the fear side of things. I think they're hearing in a new light um, how much value they have, how how much, even when you don't know what your future is, you have one. And all I can guarantee is it's worth protecting. 
you know, not that I know what it is, but it's worth protecting. You're worth protecting. Um, the light bulb really goes on with relationships. Uh, what about this? And what if this? Well, what if somebody were to say this? And there's a lot of engagement and conversation um, around relationships. Um, where the struggle comes into play, and so far this has turned out to be the case, where the struggle comes into play is um, the cultural message is so strong that it's okay to send sexual nudie photos and videos that it's usually the kids that have done it, that their fear rises up. Well, when fear first rises up, um, or they're in this, and we have this too, and we help kids, this is where we transition into our intervention and advocacy role, but um, kids that are being extorted and threatened um, because of the photos they've already sent. And when fear, you know, rises up, there's some, you know, some, some lashing, even at the idea of value, that you have value, because it's like, well, what if that's lost, you know? Does that mean that's lost now? Or um, just the fear of when there's a discovery of what you've done, even though we have no idea because we're still just in large group at this time. We don't know, but you know, and you know, the fear uh, flags start flying. So you get a little bit of lashback that way. Um, and then we work through that. But um, so far, every single time that's happened, it's because it's happening to them. And so we're able to transition into a different role and help them uh, get out of the situation. Yeah. So we, what, what do we tell adults? We tell them to have conversations with their children in their life about healthy relationships. We tell them to have conversations about value with the children and teenagers in their lives. How can adults get someone like you in the school that their kids are at? Because that has got to be the question I get the most when I go speak is how do we get this conversation into the schools? And I always say, well, my friend Jessica over at Acts United goes into the school. So what is the step um, to get Acts United in the local school? Yeah, we're in schools and churches. So just go to our website and go to, con. you know, you can look at the different programs and then just click on contact or booking scheduling and you'll be in contact with us. And usually the first step is, you know, what are the learning objectives? What does the program look like? And we let you know that. And there is a fee for the program. So far, we have been able to, you know, partner with different organizations um, and clubs, your local club, your Rotary Club um, has been able to cover a lot of these school expenses, uh, the fee for this program. So um, we'll work through all of that and get scheduled. There's um, two different things we offer, especially with the older students program, the Youth Aware program. That's actually a three-step program. So some schools, some churches, um, just want the first step and some want the full program. 
And we are totally open to either. We're able to do both online, you know, virtual delivery, as well as in person, according to the guidelines of your area and whatever your district or your church um, is doing. So go to our website um, or you can email uh, scheduling directly and just go to connect.actunited at gmail.com. So good. Thank you, friend. So to connect with you, they go to actunited, is it .com or .org? .org. 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 You can sign up for the conference. It's coming up in February, which I love. I mean, I think you should go to all of the sessions, but you can pick and choose if you want. Go to the YouTube channel to get more education and awareness. Um, what other ways are you looking for volunteers, for support, connection? What do you have coming up that we can come alongside you with? Um, one would be the conference coming up in February. So get registered, tell others. Um, there's three different topics. So you might feel like I've I'm, I'm, I got a pretty good grip on this first session, but I've got uh, no idea and I've never heard of this third one. Um, so help us spread word because um, our social media avenues right now are blocking and taking down anything having to do with um, systems of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. They still don't care on an individual level, but when you're talking about whole organizational or systemic abuses and trafficking, um, human trafficking, sex trafficking in general is being blocked or taken down sometimes. So it's really word of mouth in our friendships and relationships. Um, and also financially, support a school, support a sponsor. Uh, we're looking for sponsors for the conference because we do, even though we're virtual, we do have some expenses and um, sponsor students or schools. Every donation, every dollar matters for what we are doing for kids. School budgets are torn, they're diverted, they are exhausted. Um, so any financial support to keep us um, with students in our different outreach projects would be amazing. I absolutely love it. Okay, before we sign off, can you, if you could say anything to people listening, what do you want them to know about what they can do to fight against something like sex trafficking, child exploitation. There's just one thing you want them to know. What is it? Can you do that? Love people. Please love people. Hmm. Now I'm going to cry. Please invest in people. You don't know that exterior can look one way. You have no idea what internally is going on and predators will find it faster than you. If it is not on your heart to see people and to love people because predators will see people and they will exploit people. So please fill the gaps of humanity. Just our inner need, our, this, our hearts all long for the same thing. So be that for somebody else. And I pray that it comes back to you a thousand times more. Thank you, friend. That's so good. Thank you. My heart. My heart too now. <laughs>
curriculum. Also, we are raising money for Storyteller Cafe. We're very excited for the opportunities that having a Give Back Cafe will lend to survivors and those vulnerable when it comes to trafficking and exploitation. Also, we know that it will be a really important way for people like you and me to engage in the issues of injustice in our communities through what we purchase and through volunteering and through increased awareness. If you want to be a part of seeing Storyteller Cafe become a reality, I invite you to go to storytellercafemn.org.